church. Are y'all happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Come on and get up on your feet and help us bless the name of the Lord. This is the day that he has made and let's rejoice and be glad in it. Is anybody glad today? Come on, worship team sing.
mercy and your faithfulness oh God come on just lift your hands all over the building we give you all of the glory hallelujah your goodness and your mercy will follow us all of the days of our lives hallelujah and we thank you for being able to dwell in the house of the Lord forever hallelujah thank you Jesus Just get a praise on your lips. Just begin to worship the King of Peace and the Lord of Lords.
so good to us. 10,000 tongues couldn't thank you enough for how good you have been to us, oh God. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. All my words fall short. I've got nothing new. And how could I express all my gratitude? And I could sing these songs as I often do. But every song must end, and you never do. So I'll throw my hands and praise you again and again. Cause all that I have is a hallelujah, hallelujah. And I know it's not much, but I'm nothing else fit for my king. Except for a heart singing hallelujah, Oh, yeah. 
come on my song Oh, don't you get shy on me Lift up your song Cause you got a lion inside of those plums Get up and praise the Lord Hey, come on, can we sing that together? Say, come on my soul Oh, don't you get shy on me Lift up your song Cause you got a lion inside of those plums Oh, yeah Hallelujah. 
Father, we will forever give your name all of the glory. We give you all of the honor that is to your holy name. In Jesus' name. Somebody say, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Good morning. Go ahead and have a seat if you can, if you're willing, if you want to. Good morning. We are so happy that each of you joined us this morning. If you are not already blessed by showing up, well, that's on you. I'm just kidding. We hope that you will be for the rest of the, the service as well. We are so happy you joined us this morning. We are so glad to see your faces. If it's your first time with us, we want to welcome you and thank you for joining us. Um, if it's your first time, we'd also like to meet you. So after service, please join us outside. The pastors will be at the Welcome Center. Uh, they would love to get to know you. We'll also have um, small gifts out there. You'll see us with teal little tissue paper and bags. We'd love to give you a small gift. It's our way of saying thank you for joining us. We'd also love to give a special shout out to our VFAM online streaming in. We know we have people traveling over the summer, but also all across the world uh, streaming in to, to be blessed by what we're doing here at Converge. So if you're not following us yet and you're maybe a little newer, been coming here for a while, make sure you're following us on social media at We Are Converge. Again, at We Are Converge. That's how you will stay up to date with all the details we are going to give you up here. Um, but also it's a way to engage with us. We haven't said it for a couple of Sundays, but we are still doing, you guessed it, our selfie challenge. So go ahead. I know we're saying like you usually keep your phones out of church unless you're taking notes. Go ahead and get your phone out swipe left or however your phone works to take a picture take a selfie yeah or you can do it out there as well tag us for those of you who have been participating it really does we've got some people doing it thank you it really does help our online community they engage they love seeing it especially those who cannot be here in person they're in different states uh, different countries they love seeing that they like on it they engage and they have given us great feedback that it helps them feel that they are a part of a church as well so please take your selfies add comment um, and then last but not least, we've been uh, sharing that our students are meeting every second and fourth Sunday. This is a fourth Sunday, so they're back at The Verge. So if you have a middle school, high school student, maybe it's your first time and you didn't know that we had a student ministry, feel free to head back to The Verge. Our ushers can also show you where it is um, if you don't know where that is. But we'd love for you uh, to have your students bring their friends out, bring their neighbors, bring their classmates as they go back to school because they are having a great time back there at The Verge. That's it for me, Andrea. Thanks, Cassie. So you guys, the weekend of August 5th is going to be a big weekend here at Converge. We are, have a lot of things happening that weekend. The first thing is, you've heard it about it for the past couple of weeks, it is going to be our Backpack to School Outreach on Saturday, August 5th. That will be right here at Converge, and we are partnering with Above All Things to distribute backpacks, pre-filled backpacks, to our underserved students in the McKinney community and in our surrounding communities. So we have a couple of ways that we here at Converge can engage in that outreach. The first is, if you would like to donate toward purchasing some of those pre-filled backpacks, you can do that by um, visiting us either on our mobile app or at weareconverge.com forward slash give. The backpacks, the smaller ones, 15 inches, Inches are $4.95 and the larger ones are 17 inches and they're $7. What we're asking if you would like to donate is to donate either in increments of $5 or $7 just to make the purchasing of the backpacks a little more streamlined. So that's the first way that you guys can engage and connect. The second way is to actually serve at the Backpack to School Outreach. It is going to be a busy day, and we are super excited about it. There should be a QR code on screen, and you can just scan that code, or if you're online, there'll be a link in the chat. Follow that link, and you guys can register to serve for one or more shifts. We've got several shifts, we've got several things happening, but go ahead and register and connect. It's going to be an amazing day. 
And then on Sunday, August 6th, we have two things kicking off. The first thing is our Sunday fun days. Who knows what Sunday fun days are? It is a fun time, guys. We say here at Converge that church should be enjoyed, not endured. We like to have fun here. It's okay to laugh. And so we are going to have some weekly themes that we'll be communicating with you guys. Last year we did like Rep Your Hometown, where if you were from Chicago, like this Chi-Town girl, I had my Chicago t-shirt in. We've done lots, or t-shirt on. We've done lots of different things, and so we'll be communicating those themes, but we want you guys to come, connect with us, have fun, getting you know prepared for these things, and we'll have some fun treats with you. And then the second thing that we're going to be kicking off on Sunday, August 6th, is another tradition here at Converge, and it is going to be the kickoff of our sermon series, God on Film. I am a movie buff, so I'm excited about that. Every summer, we like to explore some of the summer blockbuster hits and look for themes of God in those hits, uh, in those summer movies, and then applicable life lessons. Jesus taught in parables when he walked the earth. And so this is just one way for us to look in an unexpected or an unusual place and find some nuggets of wisdom and some life lessons in scripture, because it is scripture based, but also to have a little fun while doing it. So join us for that weekend. It's going to be a great time. Time. We love you guys. We appreciate you. Thank you guys for listening. And the next person you hear from will be Pastor Jesse. Good morning, good morning, good morning, Converge Church. Look at me and smile. Smile at me. Amen. All right, it's good to see you. Just wanted to make sure everyone's out there today. God has been good to us this morning when I woke up and I was thinking about worship. I had two songs in my heart. And you may remember these. I'm not going to try to sing them. But one of the songs was At the Cross, At the Cross, At the Cross. That was in my spirit this morning. Then the other song that came to my heart was I Know It Was the Blood. I Know It Was the Blood that Saved Me. That was in my spirit this morning. So I want to remind you this morning that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. Amen. Thank you so much for coming today. We're going to ask you to continue to worship with us as we bring our tithes and offerings to the Lord. The Bible says that we are to be generous givers and be happy about giving unto the Lord. The Bible says we are to honor the Lord with everything that we own and to remember that it is our Lord God Almighty that gives us the power to get wealth and to increase in our resources. Amen. Thank you so much. If you need an envelope, Please raise your hand and the ushers will get you one. Please fill the envelope out in its entirety on the front. Everything. If you want me to have your email, please put your email in there. We need that as well. But make sure you fill it out whereby it's legible. You can also give by texting 77977-GIVE. You can also give by going to the website at weareconverged.com. You can also download our app and you can click on the icon give and you can give that way as well. And then there's another way you can give by using your cash app. And you can also give by using your Zelle. If you use your cash app, check it out and make sure that you got a full name on there. Sometimes all we get is Billy. Or sometimes all we get is John. And we don't know who that is. We have more than one Billy and more. So if you can, if it's possible for you to make sure you have a, a complete name on your cash app and your Zelle. All right? And when you use Zelle, make sure you use the email associated with us, accounting at weareconverged.com. Amen. Look at me. Look at somebody and say you look good. Look at someone and say, I'm glad you're here. 
Say, I'm glad I'm here. Amen. Amen. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today and we praise your name. God, you've always good to us and God, you've been good to us and we want to just remember that today. Thank you, God, for being so good to us. We thank you, Father, how you've blessed us and we thank you that we have the opportunity to give into the kingdom of God that we may see it flourish and grow and that your will will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. Converge Nation. Uh, let's try that one more time. Good morning, Converge Nation. Are you excited to be in the house? Amen. Good morning and welcome to week nine of our current sermon series that we're calling Fruition. Uh, we're making our way uh, through the produce aisle of Galatians chapter five. Amen. Any of you appreciate some good shopping? Uh, they just opened an H-E-B around the corner uh, from our house and, and people are out there uh, uh, before the sun came up. And uh, uh, the last time I was at an H-E-B was, uh, wow, years ago, it, 2002 in New Braunfels. And uh, I still tr I'm still trying to figure out what the, all the excitement is about. Uh, some of you are big fans of H-E-B. Uh, but if you ever go to, oh, we've got a polite golf clap, a few golf claps there. And, and, uh, and, and so there's one in Plano, there's one in Frisco, and they just opened a third one in McKinney, and people were lined up, I mean, hours before they open uh, be, just to go to H-E-B and to be the first ones there at the location in McKinney. One of my favorite things to do when I go grocery shopping, man, is to make my way through the produce aisle. And one of the reasons for that is, man, I, I just love that smell of citrus. All that fruit, it just smells real good, amen? The same is true for Galatians chapter 5. Paul is encouraging the church at Galatia uh, to do what Jesus instructed us to do, and that is to bear much fruit. In fact, Jesus said it this way, uh, herein or in this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, even fruit that will remain. And then he goes on to instruct us on how we can become fruit-bearing Christians. And this is critically important, right? Because Jesus said, you will know the tree by the fruit that it bears. Unfortunately for the cause of the kingdom, the church has become a lousy PR firm for Jesus. Most people don't have a problem with Jesus. They have a problem with Christians, including Mahatma Gandhi, who said, I love their Christ. His Christians are so much unlike their Christ. And the world's problem, the world's problem isn't with Jesus. 
The world's problem is the poor representation of Jesus that this world has been exposed to. It is my responsibility as the pastor of this church to challenge us. Listen, part of my responsibility as a pastor is to comfort the afflicted, but also to afflict the comfortable. And the challenge for us over the last nine weeks has been for us to take pause and consider the kind of fruit that we're bearing in our lives. Is there evidence that you and I have been with Jesus? Is there a distinction? Is there a mark of distinction in how we live, how we walk, our marriages, how we manage our lives and the rest of the world? Because there ought to be. There should be something of our lives that attracts people to Jesus. And that's why Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, let your light, let your fruit, let your light so shine before men that they will see your good deeds, my good deeds. And notice what he says next, and glorify our Father in heaven. The way we live either attracts people to Jesus or repels them from him. And so over the last eight weeks, and today is week nine, we've been unpacking what Paul listed in the grocery aisle or the produce aisle of Galatians chapter five, and we've gone shopping, and we've discovered that the scripture says that the works of the flesh are evident. They're obvious, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's gentleness, it's faithfulness. But the eighth fruit of the Spirit listed is goodness. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Goodness. In fact, before I get into the message, why don't we pray? Because it's going to be a good one this morning. I think the Lord's really going to encourage us and speak to our hearts. As we discover how to experience a good God as we navigate a mean world. If I had to choose a title this morning, Chuck, that, it would simply be Good God, Mean World. You know, as a pastor, I've wrestled with that question even in my own life personally. As I've helped people navigate that question for themselves, why does a good God allow bad things to happen? And so I pray that as we look to God's word, and I'm not trying to answer that question this morning, but as we look to God's word, I pray that we will discover truth in God's word that will help us navigate those moments and sometimes even seasons in our life when things seem unfair. Father, would you help us now as we look to your word? Holy Spirit, you alone know what we need. And Lord, I humble myself now as I approach your word. I do it with reverence. God, would you take these lips of clay and from these lips of clay, would you give divine utterance that would meet each one right where they are at the point of their need? God, only you can do that. So I hide myself behind the cross this morning that you might be exalted and glorified in everything that we say. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, 
Amen and amen. Listen, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Galatians chapter number 5. If you don't have your Bibles, turn to your mobile device or look to the screens. Our anchor text over the last eight weeks, including today, our ninth week is lifted from Galatians chapter number 5. And if you're new to Converge Church, let me just say that we are sticklers for God's word here at Converge. It informs everything that we do. Can I take a little uh, commercial break and say something? Listen, life, you should allow life to inform you, but only God's word should instruct you. Let me say that one more time for the people in the back. Life, life's circumstances and life's events are designed to inform you. But you should only allow God's word to instruct you. Meaning, there are observations we can make about life. There are patterns that we can find in life. There are things that we can observe and learn from, but ultimately our response to our observations should come exclusively from God's word and not culture. There are things you can observe about marriage, about politics, about people, about relationships, just from simply being alive. But never allow culture to instruct you on how you should respond. Am I I preaching to somebody this morning? What we've allowed ourselves to do, Rob, is we allow culture to instruct us, not Christ. And so we have taken our cues from the world, and we have become a worldly church and a churchy world. And that's not what Jesus intended. And so at Converge Church, we are intentional, we are deliberate about allowing God's word and God's word alone to instruct us as we observe the lessons we can learn from life. Are y'all listening to me? That's why we say at Converge Church, it is Christ over culture. And so Paul writes to the church of Galatians, and he says, as a Christ follower, there ought to be evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And the outworking of the the Holy Spirit in your life is going to look like these nine things. When the Holy Spirit finds expression in your life, people will see your love walk. It will be evident in your love walk. We answer that question in week one and we ask the question, and and, and I want to know what love is. And we talked about the love of Jesus. And that that the way we respond to life and navigate life It's not dependent on how much we love him, but walking in an understanding of how much he loves us. Isn't that what we talked about? We talked about understanding love on three dimensions. Number one, how much God loves us. In fact, uh, the the, the rich young ruler came to Jesus one day and he said, uh, Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, listen, there's just two things you you, you need to do. And he said... uh, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And he said, that's the greatest commandment. And, and, and he said, the second one is like it. And he said, love your neighbor as yourself. And 
And we talked about how sometimes we miss what Jesus said in those simple words because we've understood how to experience love on two dimensions, vertically, how much God loves us, and then what Jesus said, love your neighbor, which is horizontal. It is a picture of the cross. And what we miss is that that love actually exists on three dimensions. It is not only understanding how much God loves us, but he says, love your neighbor as yourself. And most of us struggle with loving our neighbor because we haven't first learned to love ourselves. We skip the second dimension of what, of what love is, and that is learning to love and accept and embrace what God made. And the reason most of us struggle in our interpersonal, horizontal relationships is we haven't, first of all, learned to love ourselves. And Jesus said we're only able to love our neighbor to the extent that we've learned to love ourselves. And we can only fully love ourselves to the extent that we have embraced how much God loves us. Are y'all with me? Pastor Wendy taught a powerful message on joy, the choice to rejoice. That joy is not circumstantial. In fact, when Paul writes to the church in Philippi and says, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. He's writing to a church that is free in Philippi from a Roman prison. He's encouraging people that are free while he is in bonds and in bondage. Maya Angelou would say, I know why the cage bird sings. You know why? Because joy is a choice. And while Paul was in stocks and in chains, he was still able to encourage people who were free on the outside but bound on the inside. There ought to be evidence in your life. The joy of the Lord ought to be your strength. When people experience you, do they experience his love through you and his joy? When was the last time you just smiled? When was the last time you just had a good laugh? Hey, when people come into my office and my wife and I sit down with them for premarital counseling or for marriage counseling, one of the first things we measure, in fact, let me back up a little second and just say, one of the ways you measure the health of your relationship is by laughter. Is by the presence of laughter. Because when the laughter stops, it is often replaced by one of two things. Shouting or silence. Somebody comes out swinging and somebody retreats and withdraws. And so it's not hard for me and my wife to measure the temperature of a relationship when people sit down across from us. Hmm. Have you ever been in a season in your life, in your relationships, when there was nothing to laugh about? I'm put up, putting up both hands. Paul said, in the life of the believer, as people walk through the grocery aisle of your life, there ought to be some grapefruit, there ought to be some tangerines, there ought to be some love, there ought to be some joy, some peace, some patience, some kindness, some gentleness, and there ought to be some goodness. <laughs> ah, I was trying to think to myself, 
And I was asking myself, man, when was the last time I even used that word good to describe somebody else? We say a whole lot of things about people. But for you just to experience somebody else and say, man, that person is good. It should happen more often than not when people encounter you. That people ought to walk away from you and say, man, that's a good man. Oh, that's a good woman. Because it is one of the expressions of the work of the Holy Spirit in the believer. Let me get back to my message. All of that was just an introduction, y'all. <laughs> Thank you, baby. First time guests are like, is he serious? All the people who have been coming for a while just turn to that person and say, yes, he is. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Uh, we're in Galatians chapter 5, right? It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness. Oh, there it is, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such, there is no law. Uh, we have a second text that we're going to read that's going to help us uh, uh, understand this idea, this subject, this virtue called goodness. And it's lifted from Acts chapter 10 and verse number 38. And it's, it's sort of this, this, uh, this uh, headline uh, that describes the life and ministry of Jesus. One of the things that characterized the life and ministry of Jesus, and it is goodness. Notice what the scripture says in Acts chapter 10, and verse 38, it says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. Come on, somebody. All the charismatics in the building are really excited about that because we like to talk about power. Come on. We love that. We love Holy Ghost. We love, you know, you know how we do. And the scripture says Jesus was anointed with the Holy Ghost and power. But notice what he was anointed to do. Who went about doing good. Y'all see that? Now what we focus on is the latter part of that verse, the demonstrations of power because he healed and he delivered all those who are oppressed of the devil. Why? Because the Lord was with him. He could do what he did because the Lord was with him. But notice the first thing in the order of what he did. He was anointed not just to heal sicknesses and diseases. He was anointed not just to deliver from the oppression of the enemy. He was also anointed to do good. Y'all not listening to what I'm saying. It takes the spirit of God in you upon you and through you to continue to do good in a mean world. Are you listening to what I'm saying? I'm not talking about when everything is clicking on all cylinders. I'm talking about continuing to do what is right. I'm talking about continuing to do good. I'm, I'm talking about continuing to sow in places where it seems like you will never reap. How can I be good? 
in a mean world. In a world that seems unkind. In a world that is often unfair. Because that's the world that Jesus was born into. It wasn't necessarily a world or a culture that celebrated him. And even for those who celebrated him, it was short-lived. Because the same people who were shouting Hosanna on Palm Sunday were shouting, crucify him on Good Friday. How can I continue to do good where Jesus cried from the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Ghost and power, not just to heal the sick, not just to deliver those who are oppressed, but just to be good. I think I'm going to get ahead of myself. I'm just going to do it as the Spirit of God leads me because I can see some of y'all struggling already. And let me help you out. Let me help you out. Uh, production team is going to fast forward in my notes. I hear the Holy Ghost say, land right here. Uh, why is this important? Why is this important? Uh, when God is instructing you, hmm? when you allow God and God's word to instruct you, when you allow the Holy Spirit to live big in you, not culture just informing you, but Christ instructing you, this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like. You will learn, you will learn that God through his spirit will empower you to do good beyond your human expectations and finite limitations. Listen to me. God will empower you to do what you're unable to do and incapable of in your own strength. That's why you need the Holy Ghost to be good in a world that has been mean. Listen to me. We call it comic book theology here at Converge Church. We call it comic book theology because if you've ever read a comic book, uh, if you follow DC or Marvel, you will recognize a pattern. And if you know the pattern, you recognize that patterns, when you see the pattern, patterns are also predictable. Hmm? Patterns reveal what is predictable. And if it is predictable, it is preventable. Comic book theology, Stephen, teaches us a pattern that every villain starts out a victim. I wish somebody would help me in this Presbyterian church this morning. Every villain starts out a victim. Hmm? Think about the origin story of Joker. Or Two-Face, thrown in a vat of acid. Whatever. If you watch some of the newer iterations of the Joker story, he's a guy who's trying to be a comedian and nobody's laughing at his jokes. You know why? He becomes a villain. Because people who don't deal with their pain make life painful for others. And you go from being a victim to becoming a victim. Because people who don't deal with their pain refuse to suffer alone. Oh, you're going to suffer with me. Because hurt people still hurt people. And how, how do I maintain goodness in a world that's been mean to me? That's what God sent me here to tell you. 
Even the seasons and the situations of life that have caused you to point your fist at God in anger. Hmm? Only the Spirit of God in you can help you to continue to be good and do good in a world that's been anything but kind. I don't know why I'm jumping over the first part of this message, but this is where we're going to land. How does God empower me to do good beyond my human expectations and limitations? Hmm. The first thing he helps us see, the first thing he helps us see when it comes to goodness, the God kind of goodness, is that his version of goodness, the God version of goodness, which ought to be the fruit that people see in our lives, is inclusive when our version of goodness is selective. I'm going to hurt some people's feelings in the room this morning. I'm about to afflict the comfortable in Jesus' name. These are the words of Jesus. These are the words in red. Notice what Jesus says. In Luke chapter 6, verses 32 through 36, he says, But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? If your love is predicated only and exclusively on those who love you back. Said, don't trick yourself into thinking you did anything special. If the only people you love in life are the people who love you back, don't even try to pat yourself on your shoulder. You ain't done nothing. Forgive my grammar. He says, for even sinners... Love those who love them. So Jesus, when he's talking about the Galatians 5 kind of goodness, he's making a distinction between the kind of goodness that culture embraces. Love me, I love you back. And if that's all you ever do, he said, you ain't... <laughs> you, there it is. Thank you, my lad. His goodness will teach us to love beyond our human limitations. Because our human limitations will say, love people who love you back. Are you listening to me? Notice what it says. And if you do good, somebody say do good. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? You ain't done nothing. If your love and your goodness is only based on people who love you and are good to you back. I'm talking about leveling up now with your love and your goodness. And listen to me, the kind of love that Jesus invites us into, the kind of goodness that he invites us to can only happen when you're connected to the source. You can't do it. Listen to me. You cannot do it in your own power. Because I'm about to read what he invites us to. 
when people walk down the grocery aisle of your life, will they see this kind of goodness expressed in your life? Not just loving people who love you back. Not just doing good to people who do good to you back. Y'all were here last week, and I said it, and it bears repeating. Because most of us have an expectation of reciprocity. And what I said was, the Scripture doesn't teach. Uh, uh, well, the Scripture teaches you'll reap what you sow, not where you've sown. Because if you sow, expecting something in return from that person, you have created a debt, you have created an obligation. And that's why people live in disappointment when their goodness and their kindness and their love is not reciprocated. That's why we say stuff like when we give somebody a ride, yo, man, you owe me one. Isn't that what we say? We are communicating an expectation. He said, you're not going to reap what you, where you've sown, but you will always reap what you've sown. And sometimes what you've sown will come back to you, good measure, sh shaken together, running over, pressed down, and all of that in other places. Because ultimately our reward is not from them. It's from the Lord. Okay, just in case y'all think I'm making it up, let me read some more. These are the words in red. These are the words of Jesus. Notice what he said. And it says, and if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, Jesus, take the wheel on this one. Hey! Have you ever let anybody borrow money before? No, the bottom line is, if they're coming to you to borrow money from you, just let them have it. <laughs> mm? He said, if, what is it? Uh, he said, if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? He said, if you just lend it to them, expecting it back, which again, <laughs> that is, listen to me, that is a reasonable expectation. It's reasonable for you to say, come on, that hit somebody in their soul right there on that fifth row. <laughs> come on, somebody. We all been there before. Listen to me. We all been there before. Some of y'all sitting in here, y'all still owe Columbia House for those 99 cent CDs. Come on, those 99 cent CDs y'all ordered back in 1991. Tony Braxton and Mariah Carey. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Somebody say, let it go. Yeah, let it go. <laughs> yeah, they know what I'm talking about. 
Struggle is real. All right, so, for even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. The basis of the relationship and the exchange is reciprocity. But notice what Jesus said. He says, but love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And notice what I say, your what? Reward will be great. What Jesus is saying, this great reward ain't going to come from them. If it was going to come from them, he would have said, they're going to give it back to you. He's teaching us that when we sow, we don't always reap where we've sown, but we'll always reap what we sow, and our reward will be great because God is faithful to honor and reward your goodness. And notice what he says next, and you will be sons of the Most High God. You know what he's saying? The world will see that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. This kind of goodness can only come from one father who is a good, good father. And when people see you live your life that way, doing good, loving and lending, without placing a demand for a return from the people, man, there's something about that Wendy. There's something about that Dominique. There's something about that Malak. They look a lot like their father in heaven. Because that kind of goodness, it doesn't come from culture. It can only come from Christ. Now, for those of us who are thinking about all the people who should be listening to this message right now, For all of y'all who say, Pastor Ray, what's that link? I need to send it to somebody. (laughs) This is for you too. Notice what he said. Notice what he said. It says, for he is kind to the unthankful and the evil. This is the goodness of God. He said, I caused the rain to shine upon the good and the evil. I caused the rain to fall on the good and the evil. And he says, this kind of goodness that I'm inviting you to walk in is a goodness that you may some, at some point in your life have to show to the unthankful. <laughs> now, let me tell you why it's tough. Because the, the pushback you're feeling in your heart right now is because you're trying to lean on your own ability to do it. And it only comes when we allow Holy Spirit to increase as we decrease. Your flesh doesn't want to be kind to, and lend and be good to ungrateful people. Disrespectful. All of that, baby. Are y'all following what I'm saying? It is the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Ghost and power, and he went about doing good. 
He went about doing good. The Amplified says he went about doing good, particularly healing and delivering. But it means that he didn't only heal and deliver. That's what's highlighted most in his life and ministry. He went about doing good in other ways. Having a conversation with the woman at the well who was rejected and ostracized by society. Lonely, unseen, unheard. Because she comes to the well in Samaria in the middle of the day when every other woman in that culture would come in a crowd with other women to draw water at daybreak. The reason she's at the well at noon when no one else is there is because she's been rejected and ostracized because of her story. She's been married five times. And the man she's with now, the sixth man, is not even her husband. She has given up on doing it God's way. Five times I married this joker, these jokers. God, I did it your way five times. Didn't work for me. I'm going to just do it my way. Why get married? Why go through all the trouble? And the sixth time, she's not doing it God's way. She's living with a man who's not her husband. And as Jesus is traveling with his disciples, the scripture says that he must needs, King James, must needs go through Samaria, which being a Jew, they would have traveled around Samaria to get to where they were going. Jesus, compelled by the Holy Spirit, comes to Samaria, to a community where Jews and Samaritans have no, 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 no uh, 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 interactions. And not only that, he's a man having a conversation with a woman who's not his wife. Taboo number two. And he did all of that. For a woman who was ostracized in society. And in one one conversation, she is so radically transformed that she runs back into the city to tell the people, come and see the man who told me everything that I've ever done. Jesus did all of that because he was anointed with the Holy Ghost and power. Not just to heal broken people or people who were physically broken, but also to heal people who were emotionally broken and spiritually broken. He went out of his way to be good to a woman that everybody else had rejected. He went out of his way to be good to a woman who could do absolutely nothing for him in return. He went out of his way to risk everything, including his reputation, being a rabbi, talking to a woman who was not his wife in public. Big, big taboo. When was the last time you went out of your way? I'm talking to you now. When is the last time you went out of your way, inconvenienced yourself to do good for someone who could do absolutely nothing for you in return? He says, for he is kind to the unthankful, and to the evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father 
is merciful. Because this kind of goodness points people to him. Second thing I'm going to say is this. First thought is the goodness of God is inclusive when ours is selective. It's selective because we love people who love us back. We lend to people who lend back to us. We, we do good to people who do good back to us. Yet he calls us to a higher love and goodness that exceeds our, our human, finite human capacity. Second thought. Ah, this one's for somebody here this morning. Because his goodness, his goodness, not our goodness, his goodness, the goodness that comes from being connected to the vine. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches, and apart from me, apart from me, you cannot bear fruit. These are my words. These are his words. The kind of fruit that he calls us to bear, it is impossible to do without being constantly connected to the source. In fact, the word Jesus uses is abide, which means to stay, which means to dwell. Which means God's want, God wants full custody of your life, not just Sunday morning visits. This kind of love doesn't happen just because you made a pit stop this morning. It happens because your life is fully surrendered to him. Second thing that his goodness does when we're connected to the vine, his goodness empowers us to do good, even when life seems unfair. Mm. Because when life is unfair, it has a way of hardening us, right? Uh, come on, somebody. <laughs> Listen, uh, Pastor Wendy and I just got back from uh, seven days. We're on vacation, suffering for Jesus in Maui. <laughs> we were persecuted on the beach, by the swimming pool, as we drank coconut water. In fact, on the third day, Pastor Wendy came to me and said, said, Ray, I think I got a word from the Lord. I think the Lord's saying we need to start Converge Maui. <laughs> Come on, somebody. You'll help. Right, 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 right. And uh, yeah, so we're putting together a, a launch team. Oh, okay, well, look, wow. wow. Look, look, wow. Everybody going to Converge Maui. But on the flight there, uh, I watched a movie. It's actually a documentary. And it was called Free Cho Sun Lee, I believe his name is. Cho Sun Lee. It's a Korean immigrant who was falsely accused and wrongly imprisoned for the murder of another Asian man. And um, he's thrown in prison, and uh, people hear about his story, and they start this whole movement to free, to free him. This happened in the late 60s, early 70s. And so while he's in prison, while he's in prison, uh, and he's, he's, saying this, his, his, he's saying this in his own words of the documentary, and he said, the first lesson of prison 
is don't show any weakness. Because if you show weakness, you become the prey. And as a result of thinking that way, he ends up killing a guy in prison while people are fighting to set him free on the outside for a crime he didn't commit. He actually kills a dude in prison because don't ever let him see you weak. Listen to me, life has a way of hardening us. In fact, we were so terrified, (laughs) I don't know why, but we had heard enough horror stories about middle school that when Nia went to middle school, (laughs) we had friends who had told us, yeah, you know, middle school was the toughest time for our daughter, and it was just like, and I kept asking myself, I was like, why is middle school so hard? I couldn't figure it out until Nia started middle school. And then she started dealing with all this stuff. I was like, these girls are acting like grown women. And then what I realized is that what we see on so many reality TV shows is adults who haven't outgrown their middle school shenanigans. Are y'all listening to me? Come on, basketball wise. I'm going to get in trouble because I know some of (laughs) y'all. So we didn't know what else to do. We had to talk with her and everything. And so um, first day of school was Monday in middle school. And uh, Pastor Wendy went out and said, hey, baby, I'll be right back. I'm like, I didn't know why she went out. But when when I came back, she had a a CD from Redbox. I'm not a CD, DVD from Redbox. And she puts it in. And she said, Nia, I want you to sit down here with me and watch this because I need you to be ready for middle school. And for the next hour and a half, Pastor Wendy and Nia watched Get Hard with Will Ferrell and Kevin Hart. (laughs) And she said, baby, (laughs) when you go to school tomorrow, (laughs) come on, somebody. (laughs) It starts at home true story. (laughs) Life has a way of hardening us. But how do you continue to be good? And I promise you, this is where I close. I promise you, this is where I close. How do you continue to do good even when life seems unfair? In fact, I neglected to give you the definition of good. The biblical definition of good is... uh, It's a Greek word that means to bestow benefits and to be philanthropic. You know, someone came to Jesus one day and he said, Lord, you are good. And and Jesus, he called him good teacher. Jesus said, why do you call me good? Only God is good. And what Jesus was not saying was, hey, I'm not good. What Jesus was saying is, you call me good because there's something of God that you see in me. Listen to me, when people say you are good or you've done good, it's because there's something of the character of God. It means to bestow benefits. Psalm 68 and verse 19 says, Blessed be the Lord God of our salvation, who daily, 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 
daily loads us with benefits. Even when you don't see it, even when you don't acknowledge it, every single day, including today when you woke up, God loaded you with benefits because his disposition is to bestow benefits. Psalm 119 says, the Lord is good and he does good. It is not only his nature, the Lord is good, but it's his disposition, he does good. Are y'all with me? And so this is where I close. Did I say that already? Wow. Y'all all got to say it at once. Wow. Here it is. This is where I close. This is where I close for real though. Can I say this real quick, though? <laughs> no, let me tell you why this is powerful, right? Let me tell you why this is powerful. Uh, God was bringing the Israelites out of Egypt. And Moses said, Lord, show me your glory. In fact, before that, he said, Lord, if your presence doesn't go with us, we ain't going to leave this place. And he said, how will the people know that you are with us? He said, I can get up and say, God is with us and God is for us. But these people will not know that you're with us unless your presence goes with us. And this is what he said. If your presence doesn't go with us, we ain't going to leave. We're going to sit right here. And God said, I'm going to show you my glory. And then he said, I will cause all of my goodness to pass before you. And he said, when my goodness passes before you, I'm going to hide you in the cleft of a rock. Because no man can see God and live. Now stop for a second and think about that. God says, I'm going to show you my glory. But in showing Moses his glory, he showed Moses his goodness. You know what that means? If you and I ever got a glimpse of how good God is. In fact, what it means is, It's impossible for you and I in our human frame to see the magnitude and the fullness of how good God is. Because his goodness is his glory. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? That word kabod, glory, means weight. It means heaviness. It means substance. The very substance of God is his goodness, meaning you and I can't see the fullness of how how good God is and contain it. The goodness of God alone just kill you. Not in a bad, you see what I'm saying? He's so good that evil humanity cannot behold his goodness. That's how good God is. That he's got to hide you in a rock so his goodness can pass. That's how good our God is. And that's why Peter cried out after Jesus performed the miracle. Jesus said, let down the nets. Peter let down only one net. The net started to break. And Peter, knowing what he had done, his partial obedience to God, because Peter was tired. Peter said, I watched these nets all night. I've told all night and caught nothing. And he said, let down the nets. So he let down one net. And what God wanted to do for him was too big for one net, that the net started to break. And notice what Peter said. He said, Lord, depart from me. Because I'm an evil man. He saw the goodness of God. And in seeing how good God was to him, 
he saw his own frailty. What am I saying? If you and I would ever catch a glimpse of how good God is, it'll change the way we pray. It'll change what we pray for. It will change what we ask because the God we serve is only good. And his goodness wants to bestow benefits and be philanthropic toward us. And his goodness must be experienced personally. That's why the psalmist said, taste and see, taste and see that the Lord is good. Nobody can do it for you. Grandma can taste it for you. Grandpa can taste it for you. The pastor can. You have to taste and see for yourself that the Lord is good. Every man in this room, every husband in this room, every boyfriend in this room understands it. Because every time you go out to dinner and you order your meal or you drive through Chick-fil-A and you ask your wife, do you want something? <laughs> Y'all already know where I'm going with this. Say, oh, no, babe, I'm okay. I'm, I'm on that no sugar, no carbs. I'm on that invisible diet where I can't eat anything that's visible. Come on, somebody. And you drive up to the window, Stephen, and that steam, you know, you know when the fry is hot? The oil hot and that salt hit the fries with that hot. And you pull out the driveway. And she says, can I get a fry? <laughs> Come on, somebody. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It may happen to you when you leave here to go to lunch. And somehow, magically, the whole box of fries ends up on her lap. Or you go out to dinner and you order. And somehow, your plate ends up in front of her. It's goodness, right? <laughs> Listen, the goodness of God is experiential. You can tell your wife all day long how good the fries are. She'll never know until she experiences it for herself. Y'all need to leave me alone so I can finish this message. Why y'all keep doing this to me? Okay, last thing I'm going to say. This, I promise you, last thing I'm going to say. <clears throat> His goodness empowers us to do good even when life seems unfair. So this is a prescription for doing good when life seems unfair. There are, there are things in Scripture that are descriptive, meaning it tells you what happened. It's a narrative. But then there are things in Scripture that are prescriptive. They are directions that we need to apply. This is not descriptive. The psalmist is not writing a description of something that happened, a narrative of something that happened. For example, we can read the story of Daniel in the lion's den, and it doesn't mean that you need to go to the Dallas Zoo and get in the cage with a lion. 
Are y'all with me? That is descriptive. It's describing a miracle that God performed in Daniel's life. Doesn't mean. But there are some things that are prescriptive. And God gives us a prescription for continuing to do good when life seems unfair. Here it is. It's Psalm 37, verses 1 through 5. Psalm 37, verses 1 through 5. It says, do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. Can I stop there for a second? If we're honest with ourselves, we've probably all wrestled when people who seem bad seem to be the beneficiaries of a lot of good. When we see wicked people prosper, when we see evil people excel. And David says, don't lose heart. Don't fret when you see that happening. Don't fret, child of God, when it seems the, life, the world is unfair. Don't fret when it seems like serving God and honoring God isn't paying off. He gives us this prescription when life seems unfair, how to continue to do good. He says, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass, and they will wither as the green herb. Here it is. Here's the prescription. He says, trust in the Lord. And notice what else he says. And do good. <laughs> Life is unfair. I want to stop doing good because doing good, it paid off. Everybody else is getting ahead. And I'm still stuck right here. And he says, trust in me. And while you're waiting, do good. He says, trust me, even when you can't trace me. Because even when you can't see me, I'm working. And even when you can't feel my presence, I'm there. He says, trust in the Lord and do good. And then he says, dwell in the land. Resist the urge to run. Stay put. Because what I do in your life next, I'm going to do right here. Most of us abandon the process of God prematurely. We wish God would do it now. We wish God had done it yesterday. And God says, trust me and continue to do good. Because when you trust God and do good, it keeps your heart tender and pliable. When you withhold and stop doing good, it hardens your heart. You withhold the best part of who you are when you stop doing good. He says, trust me, do good, and dwell in the land. Here's the third, the fourth thing he says. He says, here's how you do it. He says, feed on my faithfulness. Every day, Make my faithfulness your food. Meaning, if I did it then, I can do it now. And if I can do it now, I can do it again. The thing that will sustain you when life seems unfair is to feed on his faithfulness. The fact that he's done it before. Countless times before. So trust him and continue to do good. Dwell in the land Resist the urge to throw in the towel. Resist the urge to quit. Resist the urge to give up. Dwell in the land. 
and then feed on his faithfulness. Every day, God, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's our story. And I'm saying this, and I'm not saying this because it's just in the Scriptures. The story of Converge Church is a story of feeding on God's faithfulness. And because we didn't quit, even though we wanted to, even though we wanted to, we are sitting in a notable miracle. You guys know the story. This building is paid in full. Anyway, I'm not going to get into that. But there were many times when we wanted to quit. But as we continue to feed on God's faithfulness, every single day, if God did it then, he's going to do it again, he's going to do it again, and he's going to do it again. And feeding on God's faithfulness means don't complain against the manna. The problem with most of it is like, man, I've been eating this manna 40 years, man. Yet God was making provision for them daily. And they complained against his daily provision. He was bringing them into a land flowing with milk and honey. And because they were so focused on milk and honey, they despised the manna. I don't know where you are now. Maybe you've had manna for five years, 10 years, 15 years. Even though it's manna, God is providing for you supernatural bread from heaven every single day so that when you walk out your tent, provision is there. Feed on his faithfulness. And this verse closes with these words. As you're feeding on his faithfulness, it says, delight yourself in the Lord. Ah, I wish I had time to talk about that. Because when he says delight yourself in the Lord, he's not just saying wait. He's talking about how you wait. He's talking about feeding on his faithfulness, but he's saying as you wait, delight, rejoice, give thanks, be grateful, delight yourself in the Lord. Notice what it says, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. In the literal Hebrew, it doesn't mean he will give you what he, you want. It means as you delight yourself in him, he will place desires in your heart. Most of us want God just to co-sign our agenda. Yet he says, when you're waiting, delight yourself in him, and he will give you the desires of your heart, because the desires he gives you are the desires that he will fulfill. It says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will bring it to pass. The band can come. You're here this morning. They say, Pastor Ray, life's been hard. Life's been overwhelming. And you're probably in that place where maybe there's been more grumbling than gratitude. Maybe there's been more worry than worship. Maybe you're in a place this morning where you've said, you know what? I've got nothing left to give. And right now, Lord, I don't really feel like being good 
or doing good. I don't feel like bestowing another blessing on another person because I give, 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 and all people do is take, take, take. Yet, Lord, we see in your word that when we do these things, expecting nothing in return, and God, again, it is reasonable that if we're loving and good and we lend, that there would be some reciprocity, but you're calling us to a higher level of goodness that says, my reward, my reward, what I get in return, comes from God. And it'll be so much greater, so much better than anything any human could give me. Lord, would you settle that in our hearts this morning? in the places where we've looked to man to be our source, when all you wanted for man to be is just a resource. God, would we turn our eyes on you again to be the source of all goodness and the sustainer of our lives. If you're here and you're not born again, I'm not talking about people who are born again. I have to do this this morning. If you're here and you say, you know what? I've never trusted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I've never asked him to my heart to be the Lord of my heart. I've never tasted. I've been in the car and everybody else had fries, but I've never tasted the fries. If that's you this morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just slip up your hand? I want to pray for you. If you would like to invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life, I want to pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Well, we've got a house full of believers. If you're here this morning and you say, you know what, Pastor Ray, life has been unfair. I don't want to be good. I've been the victim and really I'm becoming a villain. I've been suffering. I've been in pain, and now I want for other people to suffer with me. If that's you, again, with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you slip up your hand? I want to pray for you. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Father, would you, would you minister to these now who have been bold enough, bold enough to say, you know what, God? I need open heart surgery. My heart has become hardened. I need a touch from heaven. Lord, would you do that now? In Jesus' name, remove the scales and set your sons and your daughters free. For whom the Son sets free, whom the Son sets free, is free indeed. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for it. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen and amen. Did I help anybody this morning? Goodness. He's a good, good father, and he is perfect in all of his ways. Once again, thank you so much for being with us this morning. Thank you for your, your partnership in the gospel with us. In fact, why don't you stand as Pastor Jesse comes? He's going to pray the blessing over us. If you're a first-time guest with us, I see a couple of new faces, I think. First-time guest with us, Pastor Wendy and I would love to connect with you. Uh, shake your hand, hug your neck, put a name to the face, and personally thank you for being with us this morning. Also, want to remind you uh, uh, to scan that QR code. Can we put the QR code on the screen again? Uh, man, we want to pack this place. Like I said, we served over 240 families uh, for our Backpack to School outreach going to do 500 pre-assembled, pre-filled backpacks. And then there's also a health fair, and uh, we're going to have some more details about it next week. 
but there's going to be a health fair in the afternoon. We're going to do free sports physicals for the kids going back to school, a bunch of different screenings as well. Uh, so we're really, really, really excited about that. Be a part of bestowing blessing and being a conduit of the goodness of God by either serving or participating or by doing both. God bless you. We appreciate you. Pastor Jesse. Amen. Thank you. We thank Pastor for the word of God this morning. God's word goodness reminds me of a song. Lord, I want to thank you for being so good to me. So this week, let's thank God for being good to us. And let's thank God for the word today. Bow your heads and let's pray. Father, we thank you today. We bless your name today. Thank you so much for being so good to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you were impacted by today's worship experience, we'd love to hear from you. Maybe today's sermon is exactly what you needed to hear or you prayed the prayer of salvation for the first time. If so, we'd love to send you information on how to kickstart your relationship with God. Or if you'd like information about how to join our virtual family, email us at echurchandweareconverged.com. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can do so online safely and securely at www.weareconverge.com forward slash give. You can also give via text. Simply text Converge Give and the dollar amount that you'd like to give to 77977. You can also find all of this information in our mobile app. Simply go to your app or Play Store, search for Converge Church Plano and download the app. It's that simple. Again, thank you so much for joining us for today's worship experience and we look forward to staying connected with you.